Uh, so this is going to be episode two. So do you know when the money starts rolling in? <laughs> the check is actually in the mail. Um, actually, we're not supposed to send any the, mail right now because we want to make room for all the votes. But uh, I thought the Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Anywho, shall we go for a ride? One, you read that same article on New York City? I did. In Medium? I did. Uh, yeah. Wild. I mean, certainly one person's perspective, but somebody who's got a lot of stake in the city, right? He's a comedy club owner. Isn't that right? Is that he's he's a from? New Yorker tried and true. Right. And he's uh, not feeling very hopeful about the future. Yeah, my dad actually sent that to me and said... I guess with a question like is this something that can apply to other cities you know is this going to be the case for places like San Francisco that have gotten so expensive to live in who knows but you know New York City even just like hot dog vendors and all these elements of the city that we know that are not happening right now and what it's gonna what is it gonna um, take to get that back when this era is is over. Yes. Uh, I think he was making a point that because of broadband and high-speed internet, um, yes. that it would be, there's very small reasons, very few reasons for people to come back to New York City. Um, and again, like you're saying, to other cities and places of high-density living because a lot of the, I guess he was saying that a lot of the office space will be emptied and the rest why go to expensive place when you could do it over Zoom. What, what's your thoughts on that, Eric? <laughs> well, uh, I, yeah, exactly. Like he was saying, like when you have to cool a building for, you know, AC and all that and, the, you know, you can think of it in those terms. And that's what I think we've gotten in this era. People have gotten really good at using Zoom. The case in point. Uh, oh, I don't know if we're doing it really well, but you know, I've gotten I've gotten better at it, and I'm I'm doing things that I I never would have done previous to this era. And a lot of people are realizing, hey, we don't have to fly across the country to have that meeting. We can see each other and meet right here, and it doesn't cost us a dime. Now, are are things lost? Of course. You know, that, that I think that's that's going to be the part of the the price that will be paid when we don't have. You know, when we don't have a meeting and then go to the hot dog vendor down on the street and then say, oh, look at that show that's coming. Oh, I want to go see that. You know, all of that wonderful side of living in a city. Um, so, I I mean, I think, do you think his, his writing, do you think it was extreme or do you think it's... Uh, I think he's dead. Desert? I think, to be honest, I think he's dead wrong. Um, uh -huh. I do think for a certain segment of the population, they'll leave. Um, just like other times in history where certain things happen, a bunch of people leave cities. But is it the death of cities? Is it the death of New York, New York City? My, I read the article twice. I really enjoyed That's what it. It was called the death of New York. Is that what it was called? Uh, I forget. Something like it that. It was something. something. It was something like that. Um, it's called New York uh, City is dead forever. Uh huh. Jeez. Um, Jeez. So you know, and, and it's you know, and New York City is dead forever. Dot. Period. Here is why. You know, it's it's right. just a bit dramatic. I I love the article. I think this person is a good writer and probably great at at comedy. Um, I think there is some truth to it, but I absolutely. I'm a New Yorker. Um, I live up in Vermont right now, so I, I could be thought of as somebody who did leave um but i think he's absolutely wrong um despite some of his very very uh, smart points about internet and you could do things in zoom and why bother when you could do things virtually why have a company why have office space an expensive place um and i i guess my take would be that i think for some companies 
some elements of their work can be done remotely, and that's very clever. Why waste money on office space? But for serious stuff, I would want to have body language and read people. People have to get together. Uh, whether everybody moves to Atlanta or everybody you know, moves to Bennington, Vermont, or wherever, people are going to be meeting somewhere physically. And when you cut a deal, when you design something, yes, you could put on virtual reality headsets and everyone's in their virtual spaces together. But if you're making an important decision, I want that person right there with me. And there's things about the computer world that you just can't pick up. But there's more than that, Eric. I think there's – I don't want to put on headsets and eat out in a nice restaurant and just have a virtual sort of – a, uh, I don't know, a virtual waiter and uh, flirt with a vir- – you know, I just – it just doesn't make sense. There's something about being in place physically. And New York City will come back. That magic will come back, I think – uh, the stock market, which predicts things, it's always sort of a forward indicator. It's roaring, and I think New York City is going to come back. And for those people who leave, that's fine. That's smart. Come, you know, go travel. Uh, go to remote Pennsylvania or whatever. But then there's going to be a bunch of other people who move right in their place. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he was talking about it, 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 like restaurants that are have closed. I mean, it's it's devastating. Uh, the restaurants that have closed in in, in New York and, and all around, and so who's going to open and you know, a, I don't know. He was saying like a pizza s- s- spot, you know, when there's like, uh, or uh, just that 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 the, the amount of. But I guess the real estate is is definitely significantly going to be significantly less in New York. Is that what he was? For, yeah, to? yeah, huh. and I would agree, and I would say for a little bit, and yeah, right. I, I, my take on it was this guy does not have the entrepreneurial spirit that built this country. Uh, super nice guy, I'm sure, and, and a talented writer, and no doubt a talented comic. But the thing is, when there's hardship, you don't run away from it. And just because you know a bunch of restaurants closed... Um, and went out of business, lost a bunch of money. The landlords really got screwed and the tenants got screwed and all these horrible things. The reality is it's, it's like the stock market crashing. It's a great opportunity to start, guess what? A restaurant. What a mm-hmm. great opportunity. You know, you're moving from Peru or you're moving from, you know, Santiago or you're moving from France and you're, you know, you just whatever, for whatever reason. Now's your chance to start your amazing restaurant in New York City. And what is the magic about New York City? Is it really the smell of pretzels? Is it really all the horrible cigarette smoke? Is it the taxis that almost crash into you? Now it's all the, the Ubers that almost crash into you. I would submit to you, Eric Merring, that there's a greater magic to New York City, and that is the diversity of people. There are mm. people who look like you, and then there are people who don't look like you, and there are people who are speaking all sorts of different languages. And that will come back, and that is the pull, and it will always pull me back to the place where I was born. And I will spend right. time there, I will spend money there, and who knows? Maybe uh, I'll start a restaurant. Right. So, what about something like Broadway? That's been that's been tearing at my heart. You know, like all, what's happening to all the folks connected to Broadway. I'm a huge Broadway fan, and I go to shows all the time in New York. And you know what? How do how does how does that recover? We don't know. We don't have no idea how how long it's going to take to actually open a theater and. But, you know, when people, when actors and people can't survive in the city and leave and go somewhere else, you know, it's definitely, there's going to be a big slice of, of Broadway uh, that's been cut out. And now I, you know, I, you know, I hope that what will remain will be able to bring it back to its glory, but maybe it'll be a dip and then it will be a, you know, a, 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 you know, and then a rise it's it's a it's a it's a crazy time, man. It is a crazy time. I, I have the sense this guy is hurting, as so many of us are hurting. And my heart went out to this person and to everybody right. else. I have a lot of friends who've lost their jobs, 
people yeah. people of families are hurting. I have the sense that this particular author of this article, New York City is dead. Here's why. He's having personal thoughts about he's leaving to wherever Missouri or wherever the heck he's mm-hmm. going because he personally cannot uh, handle this very, very dif- difficult transition. A lot of people are going to. I, As soon as you sent me that article and I started reading it, the very first thing that came to my mind was Broadway and, mm. and to shows. And that's what you just mentioned. It just came to my mind. I thought they're going to open. It's going to be f- sooner than we think. They're very creative, innovative people, and certain companies or or shows or whatnot will go out of business, and others will come in and take their place. It's not the death of entertainment and talent, and New York City has a long history of being the center of that, along with, you know, Hollywood. Of course, it's sort of different cultures. That right. that will take a temporary hit, and then it will come back. Better and stronger than ever. And if people leave and start their company in, you know, Allegheny, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. good. I'll, I look forward to going to a show there. But I think New York City has is such a powerful symbol for people and for entertainment and power. There's a lot of power, powerful people, powerful decision makers in Manhattan and that's not going away chapter 2 so what do you got to say you just finished a book and i and i i'm connected to that author as well do you want to absolutely wanna absolutely is? so there's uh, uh two memoirs by victor klemperer uh who's a professor uh in uh dresden germany um and the first segment of his memoir was from 19 in the 1930s. I think it was 33 to 42. Correct. Do I have that right, Eric? To, for, to the, I actually, it's so I just finished that one. I read 33 to 41. 41. And I yeah. just finished 1942 to 1945, also by Victor Klemper. And uh, the book, um, I can't speak to the first segment, only the second segment, but uh, he was a. Uh, somebody who deeply at the risk of his life and the life of his wife deeply dedicated to telling the story the 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 title of the book is called i will bear witness and he's written in this book several times i want to bring forth this story and imagine if the gestapo that was searching his house uh, frequently, if they found even a single page of his diary, he would have been, and his wife would have been killed instantaneously. Um, they would have just been taken out and shot. Um, and he risked that. He was aware that he was risking it, and it meant the written word, the truth. Tr- I was going to say the truth, but let's say it's his truth. Um, but a truth, the truth of his experience as portrayed in words was so important to him that he risked his life and that the result of that is that we if we you know take some number of hours to go through it can experience what it was like on a day-to-day basis i i I don't i don't see this these books eric as being literary masterpieces they're just sort of day-to-day stuff that happened that's what's so incredible about this. You know, here is a guy just writing about, oh, yeah, we went to dinner with the, you know, with this couple. And he seems in, in the, the, the one I'm reading in the third in the you know mid 30s, they're, they're talking about how they go for drives and then they go to someone's house. And those na- the neighbors, they seem a little bit in support of, of the Nazis. And he and, and and he'll say like he talks about like how they were they had rubber balls at the ch- at the, the toy store and they had put swastikas on them. You know these little uh, these kind of day to day things that you don't find in a history book, where it's just someone's it's his diary and he's just writing. It's just boldly staying committed to his diary. Uh, he was a professor. 
And he was a Jewish guy, and uh, his wife was a Protestant. And uh, just to, what a what a record, and and what a book to read now for me. I, I've been waiting to read this book for a long time. It's been on my shelf, and I've tried to start it. And it's reading someone's diary is not the same as reading a novel, you know. And so having to, you know, be with them through. You know, he talks about, oh, my backache, and oh, the garden needs to be tended to, and and some of this is, it's not super exciting, but over the reading, you get into this person's life and and feel a lot of gratitude for someone jo- documenting. And there's, I don't, you know, you read 42 to 45. In the 30s, there was definitely this this kind of question between a lot of people, which these are questions that people ask in this era of, what is this going to, st- oh, this guy's crazy, or this is going to go away, or they say he's going to, by next week he's going to be gone, or, you know, next year, and... And so it's that's why we read history, you know, read people's take from a different era and see, oh, wow, some of those questions are being asked right now. Absolutely. I, I found the connection with the 2020 election to be very powerful and very disturbing. I, I found that these books were so dark um, and so, so um, they were intimate invitations to be in a very cruel and dark space and because there was such familiarity with the language with the the, the people the 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 community that i felt very akin to um and then because i was taking into that very detailed um world i could feel the noose as it was being tightened around the, this Jewish community, um, and their people's rights were being taken away, and uh, just every day there was some new decree that you can only eat this amount of food. The kids um, could no longer attend school if you're Jewish. If you're caught with you know a certain type of book, um, or you, you all of a sudden a new day goes by, you can't have any cauliflower. If you're caught with cauliflower, you'll be murdered. Um, and and every day there was something new. And so I, I, I found that to be so dark and so disturbing. And um, I was drawn into it. Um, and just more than any other educational or or end quote unquote entertaining piece about the holocaust this had the most intimate view for me yeah intimate it was absolutely yeah i felt a lot of gratitude to him and and he isn't that amazing when you think he never knew the 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 legacy that he left you know because he's a renowned author and historian and during his lifetime, you know, let let this be a lesson to all of us writers and creators, and you know that uh, that y- you don't always know where it's going to go, you know. But he stayed true to it, and he kept writing, and he kept writing. And you know, how many languages has his book been translated? His no- diaries been translated into, and uh, so you know, Victor Klemperer, you know, thank you for. For taking those, Th- yes, taking thank- taking those steps. <laughs> yeah, thank thank you, Victor Klemper. And the thing is that, um, again, getting back to what we were saying before, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to wear a mask, and things are so tough, and I can't go to my restaurants, or I can, but I have to sit far apart from people. And I get that; it's really tough. And then I think about what he went through, where every day. He didn't know if there's a knock on the door and, and the Gestapo had come by. I mean, they were living in Jew houses so that right. so that the, the Gestapo could keep a better eye on the Jews. Of course, one each each day went by that went by, more and more Jews were just taken from their homes right. and sent to a camp. Well, the camp they got sent to, they were killed, they were shot, or they were gassed. That's just right. what happened. And so he, this man, Victor Klemper, the professor, got to see. His friends, his community, one by one, get smaller, and people were committing suicide, which, you know, because they knew it was about to happen. These are not stupid people, and this is not that long ago. Which it's is not that long which ago. Which really 
is what blows me away. This is not like ancient Rome and the bar, you know, barbaric, whatever. But this is recent in a, a, a theoretically a very civilized part of the world. Um, and then I and and just for him to to go through that and it it it's um it, it's it's absolutely it's just hor- horrible um and he uh he was a world war 1 vet which protected him somewhat on the earlier side and and then being a professor protected him somewhat, and being it's married a mir- to a Protestant helped being him. Married so- to pro- right, yeah, and but it's a miracle that he survived. And I, I don't think this, you know, is a spoiler or anything. You know, he does survive the war, and he, he uh, as I understand it, he was set to be deported like right when the bombing of Dresden happened, and so he managed to leave his house with all the other people from Dresden escaping the, the, the fires and tore his yellow star off and, and, you know, blended in with everyone else. And that was it. You know, it's incredible. The story is it's just, just incredible. And, yeah. and, and what was amazing to me about that part of the book was that for so much of the, of this, you know, several hundred pages, you just didn't know from page to page Who's going to knock on the door next? What they were going to do? Um, what they were going to do to him? It's just like a, a page turner. And then right before the Americans and the Russians showed up, with the you know as you were pointing out the firebombings and such. Um, even then, when you think, okay, finally the the Nazi regime, the Third Reich, is going to fall, um, he still didn't know. Because the bomb's falling on his house, and and the fact right. that he survived that, and you know wasn't accidentally shot or not accidentally shot, because the thing is, as the Third Reich was, you know they, you know Hitler killed himself and stuff like that, the Nazis were still running around. So how he didn't get killed in those last minutes is just, it's amazing. It's just amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, the last thing I'd say on this is like I, I found it amazing to read someone's story where they're writing and they don't know what's going to happen, but you do know what's going to happen, right? You know, so it's like when it's 33 and 34 and 35 and he's talking about Hitler and it's like people are saying, oh, is this guy going to last? And I'm sitting there like like waving my arms, you know, being like wanting to like say like, you know, it's fantastical, but you know, it's, it's like, you know where it's going. And that's one of those, that's what's fascinating uh, and, and very moving about reading a book like this. So I, sh- I will bear witness. That's what it's called. Correct. I will bear witness. Correct. Uh, and, and there's also another volume after there's 45 to, I believe like 56 or something. So in, and the time under the, under uh, Soviet rule uh, in East Germany. So that's, I mean, what a, what a document, what a, what a, what a document, what a blessing this guy's writing is. Uh, Absolutely. And when I read it, I think about um, here in America, that could never happen. No way. Hmm. I mean, that could never happen in the United States. And I think bullshit. I think it could happen here. Um, I think what ha- what it is is when like we all experience like we're in high school the bullies the you know the tough people who just the really mean angry people it's when they take control of society and that's what happened the bullies the psychopaths um, and when they take in, su- in suits and with degrees and with all those things yeah yeah it's when 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 the people who uh, I think every society has them, the, the hateful people, the destructive people, however you want to characterize it. Um, when they rise to power, um, that's not a good thing. And that's what happened in Germany. It's sad, but you try to make the saddest, most horrible, or one of the hor- most horrible. I mean, there's all sorts of genocides that have happened. Each one has been as horrible. Um in its way for those people. Um, and I, I take from that. I try to, I grew up, you know, sort of in this new age sixties 
you know, the Beatles and here comes the sun, very happy and look at the pretty flowers kind of culture. Yep. So it's in my nature not to sit around and be depressed and say, the sun is setting, my life is ending, God is tired of me. I know a lot of people who do that and I love them dearly. They're very deep people. They're kind of dark, but that's just not me. So I try to think like, what can I learn from this? And all I can come up with is three words, Eric. Checks and balances. Chapter three. So Mark, um, a, you know, you talked about a reaction you had to uh, the Klemperer book and you know, it's interesting. It, it, it makes me think of, you know, uh, as a songwriter, I'm writing tunes all the time, and sometimes I forget, you know, where the seeds of them came from. And and this tune I wrote recently, you know, this is during the, the corona era. It was when I was actually reading that Klemperer book, and uh, I don't exactly know... Uh, oh, what this what this well i don't have to know what it means as a songwriter i just i'm just writing the tune but i definitely know that i thought about victor klemper um when i was writing it and um anyway don't know if it's in its finished state but i'm going to sing it for you if if you if you don't mind would love that it's called it's called genevieve You got your arms around me And you always get through to that part But I don't know where to start I know I'm not alone You said it might get to be too much But now there's nothing to call our own I know I'm not alone Don't know how to grieve Cause talk is cheap, I need something to read Not just words, only you and I can believe Genevieve You don't know what to say You say it all looks the same but it's a different game Caught up in these memories we all claim Things all look the same But it's a different game The game you gotta play is the way it is today Honey, you can't leave Genevieve How long will this go on? How long's this gonna last? How long will the clown in town keep us all in his cast? How long's this gonna last? We were traveling fast. What time a shred of that past can we hope to retrieve? Jenna. you for that sweet it's a song about longing 
Yeah, you know, something about... It's funny talking about New York City. I think I was thinking about some of that stuff when I wrote those words. Uh, uh, how much of that... Uh, what type of shred of that past can we hope to retrieve? And uh, this is a game we all have to play, and honey, we can't leave um, Genevieve. So Yeah, there's anyway. something lost that we're trying to retrieve. There's uh, it, it, there's something something amiss. How long yeah. will it last? Um, and 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 yeah, there's a clown in town. There's no doubt about it. Right? How long will he keep us in his cast? I didn't know what that meant at first. I was like, oh right, the cast. It's like we're all players in a we're all actors in a play. You know, we're on a stage here. That's funny you said that. I was actually thinking a cast, like an injured limb. Right, and that's maybe what it means too. Yeah. But that, that what I what I drew from it you know it's funny as as writers and you know we're both writers you know you write stuff and you actually don't necessarily know what it means it just comes out and then someone else will say oh that's what it means and or you know and then i'll say oh this is what it means and i don't actually think there's a right answer how long will it last Hmm. um i know that uh victor klemper was waiting and kept asking that question every day how long will it last and uh, they always hope for a better future. Chapter four. So um, I think that what's been on my mind has been uh, loss. There's, I'm feeling a lot of loss right now. Um, when I look at the country and the divisions in the country and the, the anger and the hatred, people not communicating with one another, in a way that's constructive, I'm seeing I'm seeing vandalism hmm. uh, on political signage. I'm seeing um, symbols being defaced. I'm seeing the United States Constitution not being honored. There's something going on that is huge, um, and this resonates with me just based on huge loss in my family. Hmm. Um, so I'm feeling it on both, both, both sides. Right. It's interesting that you're saying, you know, those different levels of it, because I'm definitely, I think, uh, you know, the March on Washington was yesterday and I did, you know, I think the, the word, um, I was so inspired, but I also had a, a sense of loss. Um, when I saw the, I was watching on the Washington Post YouTube page, uh, and um, I was astounded. My son and I were just astounded that there was almost an equal number of thumbs down as there were thumbs up. Mm. I could, I, 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 I couldn't, couldn't believe it. I, 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 you know, I think this is, you know, it's in my my DNA to feel like, oh, like, um, you know. Dr. King and the March in Washington is like a, as an is like a integral part of being American is recognizing that that was a great moment. And um, I guess I mean when you say loss, I that's the feeling I was having like wow, I more than two steps back. And 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 I I, I you know I'm a very hopeful person. I want to be hopeful, but I that that gave me a sense of like wow. We have a lot of work to do just to get people to either not give a thumbs down or just, you know, just to, just to, you know, observe a, a great moment with respect. And uh, so, you know, surprising, surprising, or maybe it's not right now. I don't know. I think sometimes, Eric, there are two Americas out there and maybe the reason why it's been able to be stitched together is through leadership and powerful good leaders mm. and when you have a leader who brings out the worst in people that worst was always there maybe on a certain level mm. and and it's not 2%, it's not 6%, it's way more than that. As you were saying, you're seeing equal numbers of thumbs up and thumbs down. And now that pent up something 
anger, hatred, um, not wanting black people around or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't understand it. Um, it's, it's huge and it's powerful. And I have the sense that Trump is going to get reelected. Oof. Oof. And then you look at connections between people which have been severed, and you look at families and friends mm. and communities have been split by this. And then I think about something happened in my family where someone got in an accident mm. and and they're they're dead mm. it just happens instantaneously and i think about the the power of just the beauty of just people not hating each other and just making each day a good day right and because you don't know when your time is coming that's right or your best friend or your wife or husband or grandpa or grandmother and right the losing sorry yeah go ahead yeah it's it's just there's there's a sacredness to being alive the losing sight of that you know yeah all of this noise and all of this that's um creating this forgetting effect about like the, the 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 wonder of being alive no matter who you are no matter your state in the world, just being awake and uh, looking out on a, on the day and on the sun and on the on uh, everything, despite all the sadness and despite all the hard things and despite all the mm. the the ugliness and uh, without a doubt, but uh, yeah, we uh, we are just a we're a very small sliver in a very big history but it's interesting i feel that the grieving on a personal level about family mm -hmm. it it's kind of in, in sync with the grieving for a loss in the country right. there's something there's something the middle is gone mm. the middle there's i feel this loss where the media, like Walter Cronkite used to deliver the news for the country. And and there was a middle. There was like reasonable people on the left and reasonable people on the right. And now what I see is extremes on the left where people maraud <laughs> is that the right word eric they go down dc and they intimidate people eating their dinners and say you have to do this and those well, are people like, supposedly on their side i mean those are people that right, they went on their side right. the, exactly <laughs> and then you have the the you know you have the people on the right who um seem to be enamored with these conspiracy theories and you're totally throwing fact-checking out the window. I think your lesson, we were talking this morning about the loss that your family's facing and, uh, but that lesson, you, you know, you were reminding yourself and me of that, uh, mm, this is a sacred moment. You know, being here, being alive is a sacred moment. And it's really a moment. That's all it is. We've talked about deep time, you know, looking at it, a canyon. And really, that's, that's, that's time. That's deep time. And the creation of a canyon. And our time here is not deep time, you know. And uh, it's so important to remember. And I say that not as 
you know, not preaching. I'm just saying it more as a, as a, as a something I know is true, you know. That the this is this is very special. This moment right here, us chatting, you know, is very special. Um, you know, those that are listening, it's very special to have a moment to listen and and think about these things and the language that we're using and the symbols and the things that we're talking. It's all very special, um, and we all deserve that awareness. So. A breath in and out. It's always a good thing. Chapter five. So, uh, I don't know. There was Mr. Peach. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm City. sorry. Who was that? Say again. The guy on the beach with the, um, with that pit <laughs> in his, I don't know. Stomach? No, it wasn't in his stomach. It was in his arm. I I, I don't think I can stomach any of this. Um, which peach? You're talking about the one, the peach each, or the that fuzzy one, the fuzzy wuzzy that was a <laughs> snare. Oh my gosh, I boy, wouldn't oh go boy. there. But I, you know, I was thinking about Mr. Peach just the other day, and yeah. I. I, I was thinking about Mr. Peach because I heard some stories. Oh. One story I heard. You want to hear a story about Mr. Peach? Is, does it have anything to do with the three bears and the uh, coleslaw that they had? The yes. Was, yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, yeah, kind of drippy. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and Mrs. Cucumber showed up as well. Um, oh no! And, she's always causing problems. Well, she's she's just sharing some of the seeds that she, uh, of her ideas, um, but it was no skin off my back. So anyway, this, sorry. Tell me. So, so, so yeah, so the, just a, just a quick story, uh, Eric, because I heard that. Um, meow, Mister Peach. Yeah, meow, Mister Peach heard that someone put out an article about New York City's dead, right? Uh-huh. And Mr. Peach, you know what he did? Wallpapered his whole apartment with that article? Not only that. Yeah. And I think actually he used it for toilet paper, but oh, if no. you take my, some of my books are you take two pages at a time, it's actually pretty useful. But I think what he did was he went right in front of, I don't know if it was the Disney Theater or one of the famous... Theaters on Broadway, like Broadway and theaters. 45th. Theaters. Theaters. And you know what he did? Mr. Peach, he planted himself right on the sidewalk. Like a potted plant? Uh, I don't talk about pot. Tr- I, I don't. A lot of people in my generation, they all did pot. And I used to say, <laughs> I, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh no no no! Uh, moch. But but that's not the story that I w- was sent to tell you, Mister. Yes, it was moch. <laughs> no 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 no, Miss No 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 no. What happened after he tr- he planned himself, Mister Peach? No 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 no. Actually, drove. I, because the thing is, he read this article. He disagreed with it, but he said, "You know what." I've got all this newspaper stuff on my wall. He drove to Pennsylvania. He drove to Connecticut. He went up to New Hampshire, Maine. He came down to Vermont. You know what he found? Uh, A bucket of bowling balls? (laughs) Exactly. And they were holy. (laughs) And then he actually took his car and set a new cannonball run record across the country. Are you aware of the cannonball run? I, I am. I had the runs recently, <laughs> really, in any position to share that, although I could get in one. But I don't know if this is being taped in that way. 
Now, if we're if we are setting rules, setting a cannonball run record in the middle of a pandemic is that there's no like laws or rules about that of these cannonball runs. But you know, setting a cannonball run record when there's well, I guess there's more traffic now because people are trying to do it when there's you know when everyone is on lockdown. Well, it's easier to set a record. I mean, it's not easy to drive across the country in 25 hours, but that's pretty much what people are trying to do is trying to keep beating that record of the cannonball run. Well, I think your you, thoughts. Yeah, I think you're right. But the thing you're missing is that it's not a pandemic. It's a bed pandemic. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, I think you're in trouble. <laughs> And and the reason why I say that is because when he got to Vermont, you got to picture this if you can. There were he went all, to California via Vermont. He did, and oh, and wow. there were all these license plates from out of state because all these people read that stupid article and they all started moving to Vermont. And there was this this is this is really peachy. There was this <laughs> license plate from Arizona, from Texas. This is like right down Vermont. I, and I saw this because I was just there. I was just driving Burlington. All these people are leaving New York City to move to Vermont, and there was a license plate from Georgia. Do you know what Georgia is? Uh, Somewhere near Russia? No. Yes. It's the Peach State. Oh, right. So there's actually a license plate. And this, I'm I'm absolutely serious about that, as serious as I was about the the bedpan, Demic. And, (laughs) or another way to say that is an ACA. Demic, and very often they meet, unless they're vegetarians. They meet in the ivory tower. I, I'm just saying that if you're a peach and you're driving along as a peach, and then you—I'm not even talking to Tesla now. I'm just any car, and you see in front of you a Georgia license plate that says the Peach State. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna go down to the river to pray, studying about that peachy way, and who shall wear the pits and fuzz? Good Lord, show me the peach. I I think I hear Mr. Peach in the background. Is that uh, is that <laughs> is that him or that, that, yeah? He's setting out for another Cannonball Run record. Oh my God. Well, I, you know, it's Alexander, ha- speaking of cannonball runs, even Alexander Hamilton said, I don't want to miss my cannonball shot. Shot? I am not throwing away my shot. I encourage all peachy people out there to, to try and rhyme every day, at least for like 14 hours of your day. Just rhyme. Just rhyme. Like, here, I'm eating a cookie. Bookie. You look like a Wookie. You look like a Wookie. Looky, looky. He looks like a Wookie. Nookie, nookie. You could, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> nudge, nudge, you know what I mean? Poke, poke, say no more, say no more. <laughs> but, you know, rhyming, you know, the timing of rhyming is fun. And it doesn't have, it's not like you have to be a, it has to be brilliant. It's just fun. And that actually works out really well for you, Eric. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, that was a joke, my blo- hey, you know, bloke. Hey, <laughs> said the horse. <laughs> Nay, of course, of course. Uh, if you mm. could endorse the horse, of course. Hmm. Then you could share the code of Morse. May the horse be with you. Yes. I've been trying to reach, I don't know if he's going to be listening to this, but this guy named Mark Hamill who played Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah. I keep trying to reach him on Twitter. The problem is it's like 5 million other people are trying to do the same thing. But the thing is, I really believed in those stories, so he should respond to me. Yeah, he will. It may be in the afterlife, but, you know. I just have to trust in the force, right? Trust, yeah, use the force or the horse. <laughs> use the horse. Could Trust be. in the horse. <laughs> of course. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Mm. Oh my goodness. Mm. Can you rhyme pretzel? Yes. <laughs> oh, you want me to? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't. Whatever you do, do not rhyme pretzel. 
I was thinking the Fresnel, hmm. the type of lens. Kind of a lens. It's out of sight. Bends the light. Old Benzel Kenobi out in the dune okay, sea. Okay, quick. Okay. In, in 10 words or less, yeah. the meaning of the universe. Go. Big, 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 big cheese. <laughs> your your wow. turn. Your turn. Ready? 10 words or less? Meaning of the universe. I'm waiting for you to say go. I mean, I can't just. <laughs> well, that's the whole point. That's it. Oh. That. Oh my God, you got it. I'm waiting for you to say go. Oh my God, I can't. Uh, well, I, there you go. Oh my God, there you go. Yeah, so that, exactly. No. So that's what. That's actually what's going on. I. You know, all these years I've been agnostic, and now I'm a true believer because all of a sudden, what you just said. Go, 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 go. Does it have to do with fish? The band? No. No, peanut butter and jam. The ham? No, 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 no. Okay, okay, okay. Favorite candy in uh, three seconds. Ready, go. Favorite candy. Spinach. Spinach (sighs) with potatoes and with, it's like a maple syrup outer covering. Oh my God, that'd be so good. Spinach with maple syrup? With with a kind of chocolatey maple syrup covering. Okay, Vermonter, quick. Define, uh, explain how you make maple syrup in 10 words or less, less ready to go. Okay, you go to the store and you buy some. <laughs> See, that's... Here's my maple... <laughs> what? Well, I don't know, my maple syrup story. Actually, I was coming to visit you. I pulled into the gas station. I was like, oh, I'm going to get some of that Vermont maple syrup. I go and I, I pay $50 for the gallon or something, and you say, you know, oh, it's probably too, way too much. And I'm pulling out of the gas station. My car, like, scrapes along this, like, low metal thing that they put at the gas station next to the pump. And I put, you know, $1,000 plus of damage into my car for $50 of maple syrup. It was a good deal. So was it like a $1,050 gallon of maple syrup? (laughs) It was the best maple syrup I ever did have. Sweet.